Holy God, prepare us for the journey of Lent. Quiet in us any voice but your own. So that as the word is read and the word is proclaimed, we might hear your word to us today. Amen. Our scripture passage today comes from 1 Samuel, chapter 3, verses 1 through 20. It's a little different intro to Lent. Um, We're going to talk about Samuel, Samuel and his call. And I don't know if you know this about Samuel. So Samuel was the much-wanted child of Hannah. So at the beginning of 1 Samuel, Hannah is unable to have a child. She's distraught. She's in the temple. She's weeping in prayer. In fact, Eli, who's the priest, comes, and he thinks she's drunk. He's so mistaken about her prayer. He thinks that she's drunk. She begs God for a child and says, if you give me a child, I will dedicate him to the Lord. So Hannah does have a son who's Samuel, and Samuel is the one she's dedicated to the Lord. So he's been growing up in the temple, So Eli's been raising him. And here we get to chapter 3. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, here I am, and he ran to Eli. And he said, here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again, A third time, and he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears it tingle. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. 
For I have told him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay there until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. He said, here I am. Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. Then Eli said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all of Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So pastors get asked all the time, what is your call story? When did you feel called into the ministry? We have to write essays about it. We get questioned about it. It's a job interview question. Maybe it's because all of y'all are thinking, what would possibly possess you to want to be a pastor? (laughs) But I'm not sure we ask congregation members nearly enough about their sense of call. Now, part of this is we have started to use the, the idea of call as like a profession or a vocation or something you get paid for, a job. But we forget that God calls people in many and various ways. And God can call to any sort of vocation or career. So God may call you to be a teacher or an engineer or a caregiver. But it's not just jobs. God calls to other types of roles. God nudges you to take on leadership in a club or in the community. And within the church, there are so many ways that God calls you to use your gifts and your skills, your spirit, your heart to contribute to the ministry of Jesus Christ. You could be an elder or a deacon or on a ministry team. But there can be moments of call too. It doesn't even have to be like a role or an ongoing commitment. God invites us in a specific situation or a moment to speak up, to share an insight or even confront a hurtful word that someone else has spoken. God may call us to help a neighbor with a task like shoveling their sidewalk, although I've been seeing if you're over 45, quit shoveling snow. What, the kids do it? That's what they say. That's what they say. It's a job for the young. You might feel called to drop off food. God calls us in many ways. It's not a static once and done thing. Your call may shift over time. 
just as our energy and our interests and our bandwidths change. Where and how God calls us in our 20s may be different than where God calls us in our 40s or our 60s or our 80s or our 90s. But how do we listen for God's voice? How do we hear God's call? Now, we typically start the season of Lent with Jesus, who was baptized and then sent out into the wilderness, and this is his preparation for his call to be the Messiah, his call to enter into public ministry. But this Lent, as we consider our own discipleship's journey, I wanted to give us an easier entry point because none of us are Jesus. No matter what the call is, we're not Jesus, we're called to walk alongside Jesus, but I thought maybe the call to Samuel would be one we could relate to a little bit easier. We're told at the beginning of our scripture passage that the word of the Lord was rare in those days and visions were not widespread. Now that's something I can relate to. I'm constantly finding myself wishing that God would just call me up. Anne, Anne, here's what you need to do. Here's the path. Stick to it. Here's the itinerary. Here are the turn-by-turn directions. The bus. Say yes to this. Say no to that. This thing you're worried about, don't worry about it. It's fine. Here's how I want you to use your energy and your gifts, and it will be a blessing. So far, I have not received that phone call. (laughs) Now, Samuel was not used to hearing the voice of the Lord. In fact, we're told that even though he had grown up in the temple under Eli, he did not yet know the Lord. Now, there certainly is some indictment on Eli in this. (laughs) Eli didn't do a great job, apparently, raising his sons either, but we get the sense that Eli's dim vision may be part of his aging process, but really is more about him having metaphorically bad eyesight. Remember I told you when Hannah comes to pray, he thinks she's drunk? So from the beginning of 1 Samuel, we get a sense that Eli has maybe veered from the path a little bit. And Samuel, he's just a boy, so it's not his fault that he doesn't know the Lord yet. So when God calls Samuel's name, both Samuel and Eli are confused. In fact, they're so confused that it takes three times before Eli finally figures it out, oh, maybe it's the Lord calling. I mean, here they are, sleeping in the temple, takes three times. Now, we could see this in a negative light. Eli should have known. But I actually see a little encouragement in this detail. (laughs) That even though Samuel and Eli don't understand it at first, God keeps calling until they figure it out. It's like when you're trying to get a hold of someone and you dial and you dial and you dial. Pick up the phone, Gray. <laughs> it's important. It's on silent. I'm sorry. Didn't see you calling. God calls and keeps calling. And if we don't hear it, if we don't understand it, God 
puts us on repeat dial. Maybe God's got a program up there. Just like, keeps dialing like those uh, telemarketers till we pick up. Now, there are ways we can attune ourselves to God's voice. This doesn't mean we always hear it. It doesn't mean we have certainty. But we can actually practice listening for God. And we can do this through reading Scripture, saying, what does this say to us? We'll be doing a little of that on Wednesday night with the women's group, if anyone wants to join us. We're doing it now in this sermon. We can do this with conversation with others. We can do this by stepping back, reflecting on our lives. In fact, there's an ancient spiritual practice called examine. Has anyone heard of examine? And it's E-X-E-M-E-N, not like I'm examining, although there's probably a correlation. But it's a way of reviewing. So I'm going to invite you into a, we'll do a brief examine. So if you want to close your eyes, if that helps you concentrate, you can. If you want to keep them open, that's fine too. But I want you to think back on your day yesterday. Think about your day from when you got up in the morning until you went to bed at night. Were there any moments where you felt close to God? Were there moments where you sensed God's love or you felt consolation, a sense of rightness? Now think again about your day. From when you got up to when you went to bed. Were there any moments you felt desolation? That you were at a distance from God, separated from God's presence? Now I invite you to offer those moments to God and give thanks for the consolation and the desolation, for the places you felt close and far away. And as you pray, ask God, in the coming days, in the coming weeks, that as there are decisions to be made, little ones and big ones, that you would do things to draw closer to the love of God and you would do less of the things that separate you from a sense of God's presence.
Amen. Now, this practice of examine, and we rushed it because we're here in a big group and got more sermon to preach still. But this is the kind of thing that you could do each day to reflect back on your day. And if you do it over time, regularly, it can help to shape your life, to listen for where is God? How can I draw near? Now, you might get the impression, though, that I'm saying that if God is calling you to something, if you're trying to align yourself with God's presence, that you will always feel good and happy and blessed. But Samuel would shout at us, that is not true. We come back to Samuel's story. He and Eli finally figure out, oh, this voice, this nudge, this call, it's God. And Eli coaches Samuel, and he says, the next time you hear the voice say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And so Samuel is obedient, and he does this, and boy, is he in for a surprise. The Lord says to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears it tingle. If I were Samuel, I would be thinking, oh, great. It would have been better if I would have just continued to be confused and had gone back to bed. I do not want to be the messenger of this message. When the Lord is done speaking to Samuel, we're told that Samuel lays there until morning. He's not sleeping. He's also not running to Eli to bring him glad tidings that the Lord has spoken. I imagine Samuel is laying there in dread. Now, thankfully, Most of the time, God does not ask us to be the mouthpiece for such difficult messages. But following Jesus, answering God's call, even when it is what God wants us to do, even when it fits with our gifts and our skills, it usually requires us to step out of our comfort zones, to speak when we'd rather be silent, even if it's a good thing, right? to lead something when we're not quite confident enough, to reach out when we'd rather just keep to ourselves, to stretch and to grow. This is an ongoing pattern of call in the Bible. With Moses, Moses had all the reasons to say no. And God said, listen, I'm going to send you anyway. I'll build in some support for you. I won't send you alone, but I'm calling you, even though you don't feel adequate. So God sent Aaron to help Moses, and God gave Eli to help Samuel. See, when we're trying to hear God's voice, we often need help from the community of faith. We need Eli's in our midst who can confirm what we're hearing. Did I hear that right? When Eli wakes up, he insists that Samuel share what he has heard, to share the message from the Lord. And Samuel does it with fear and trembling. But when it is spoken, Eli confirms, it is the Lord. 
And Eli has the wisdom to accept the message that Samuel was sent to bring, even though I would guess this is not what Eli wants to hear. Yet Eli is wise enough to encourage Samuel in his call, and Eli is wise enough to listen and can recognize God at work through Samuel. Now, I always get nervous when one person claims that they have a message from God. (laughs) This could be part of my Presbyterianism coming out. We like checks and balances to power. And we see God at work in the midst of community. We invite dialogue and questions. We affirm that people of good conscience will disagree, which means that I can't just say, well, God told me, because maybe God is saying something different to you. Presbyterians, when we talk about call or vocation, we talk about an internal call and an external call. So if I'm feeling called to something, other people better see it too, or maybe I am mistaken. So in the story of Samuel and Eli, I see this as the demonstration of the work of community to listen for God's voice, to hear God's call to individuals and also to a community. That together, together, if we are humble enough to slow down, to listen, to pay attention, together we will be able to hear God's word to us, even if sometimes God's word is, you're off track, I'm going in a different direction, follow me over here instead. So as we go on our Lenten journey... I invite your spiritual discipline, part of it. You can add whatever else you want. But for all of us to try to listen for God. Take some time reflecting in the ways that God might be calling us as a congregation and God might be calling each of us into service, into ministry. What actions and roles are God God's call for us? How would each of our specific gifts and abilities serve Christ's mission here in the world? Because as it turns out, God is calling each one of us to journey with Jesus. This is not a special thing that pastors get to do. God calls each of us to journey with Christ. Even the Eli's out there whose eyesight is growing dim, and maybe you say, well, I don't have the strength that I used to have. Fine, maybe you won't be on the work crew outside doing landscaping. But there is a call for you. Maybe your call is to notice and point out the gifts in others. Maybe it's to share kind words with a neighbor or friend. Maybe your call is a call to prayer for the church and for our world. And for those of you who feel like Samuel, who are not sure you know the voice of the Lord, let's spend some time this Lent listening to see if we can start to recognize God's voice, to listen for how God might be calling us, even if it makes us a little nervous. 
and for all of us to be praying about how God is calling us, not just as individuals, but together. What is the message God has for us? What is the work God is inviting us into? How can we be messengers of God's love through our words and our actions to our community and to our world? Let us take this Lenten journey of listening and noticing how God might have a purpose for each of us and how our lives may be part of the work that God is about in our world. Amen.